Hello everyone, welcome to Into the Abstract, a podcast where we discuss philosophical ideas taught by some of the world's greatest thinkers. In the last episode, we talked about Nietzsche and some of his core ideas. Today we are going to discuss the ideas of another 19th century German philosopher preceding Nietzsche named Arthur Schopenhauer. Described by many as the philosopher of pessimism, Arthur Schopenhauer crafted a dark yet honest philosophy that has provided many valuable insights into epistemology, study of knowledge, aesthetics, morality and ethics, and the philosophy of nature. He was also regarded as one of the first Western philosophers to combine ideas from both Western and Eastern philosophies by integrating themes from Buddhism and Hinduism into his literature. In this episode, we will focus on Schopenhauer's idea of the will and his solutions on how to mitigate the suffering of life. Schopenhauer opposed the tradition held by German idealists and regarded their metaphysical elevation of self-consciousness as too intellectualistic. However, hypocritically, Schopenhauer does philosophize within the frame of the spirit of tradition because he believes that the supreme principle of the universe is also apprehensible through introspection and we can only understand the world as various manifestations of this principle. Unlike the German traditionalists, Schopenhauer did not label this principle as self-consciousness or rationally infused will. He named it something much simpler, will, and defined it as a purposeless, aimless, unconscious, and non-rational force exists and maneuvers everything around us, which drives our instincts to survive and nourish the needs necessary for existence. Despite being a supporter of Immanuel Kant and basing many principles of his work off of the ideas created by Kant, Schopenhauer denied the Kantian position that our sensations are caused directly by an unknowable object that exists independently of ourselves. Rather, Schopenhauer notes an important distinction that our body is among many other physical objects in the world, which makes us perceive our body as a physical object amongst many other physical objects. Complied to the natural laws, which also govern the movements of all other physical objects, such as chemistry or physics, and make us aware of our body through our perception of the world, since it is clear that we each consciously inhabit our body by intentionally moving it, directly feeling sensations such as pain, pleasure, and emotions. From this foundation, Schopenhauer claims that amongst all the objects in the universe, our physical body is the only object that is relative to each of us. Moreover, our body comprises of two completely different representations, object representation of our external bodies such as our arms, legs, and objects that make up our bodies as a whole, and subjective representation through the will. For example, when you move your legs to walk, Schopenhauer's assertions claim that the motivation to walk does not happen first. 
The movement of our legs is a single action consisting of two interlinked concepts. One is the subjective feeling we feel as the will, which provides the motivation to walk, and the other is the physical movement of the legs. More generally, he claims that actions produced by the body are objectified actions manifested through the will. At this point of Schopenhauer's claims, out of all the possible objects and representations, our own body has this special double-aspected capability. When you go walking outside and watch the clouds or the trees, you will usually not have the ability to peer at the metaphysical inner behavior or the self-consciousness of those things, since that would be very peculiar and strange. But only view the external objectified representation of those objects, such as the branches on the trees or the fluffy white appearance of clouds. However, Schopenhauer wanted to craft a theory that unified all the different objects in the world, by creating a notion of universal affinity where each object was double-aspected, with both subjective and objective representations. To do this, he utilized the double-faceted nature of his own body access the inner being of every other physical representation. This interpretation allows the will to encompass the inner nature of all objects. Therefore, the world as a whole can be manifested in two ways, by its will, which is inherently subjective, and by its representation, its objective counterpart. Hence the title of Schopenhauer's masterwork, The World as Will and Representation. Although Schopenhauer's ideas are truly unique and intriguing, they also contain a consistent theme of pessimism through its viewpoint that the world is a continuous and infinite force devoid of any specific purpose. Moreover, in Schopenhauer's perspective of reality, God is inconceivable, and reality as a whole is inherently meaningless, endless, striving towards nowhere. If we follow the universal subject-object division Schopenhauer laid out earlier in his theory, we can divide it even further by categorizing it into a set of universal and platonic ideas, which make up the timeless nature of each individual object we perceive in time and space. Although there are many platonic ideas, each platonic idea is internally unified because of its missing multiplicity. Since platonic ideas are independent from space and time, they lack the qualifying traits of individuation in the context of spatial and temporal environments. This leads Schopenhauer to classify each platonic idea as a direct objectivity of the will. On the other hand, indirect objectifications of the will arise when we introduce the concepts of time, space, mathematics, logic, reasoning, and causality. When we objectify will, the presence of these concepts, the world we are all familiar with begins to emerge since those objects are, in essence, combined versions of platonic forms scattered across a spatial-temporal reality. Schopenhauer related this idea to a dream, 
due to the epistemological format of her thinking. The world consisting of both space and time becomes a mere reflection of our minds due to the bounds of our knowledge. We can relate this idea to our senses. For example, if we didn't have eyes for vision, we wouldn't be able to perceive the idea of color. In addition, Schopenhauer states that there was no idea of individualism preceding the introduction of human beings. Due to the curiosity of human beings to know things, it fragmented the will and its fragmentation resulted in a coherent set of individuals. Schopenhauer took a Hobbesian perspective of this event and labeled it as a horrendous state of nature where each living thing competes against every other living thing, spinning the reality of the world into a narrative of chaos. This is the core root of Schopenhauer's pessimism, a violent and chaotic state of nature, created by man's epistemological ambition to individuate concepts against a blind and relentless energy called the will, which has led to objects of the will to turn against itself and incite cruelty against itself as long as the human consciousness exists. At the end of this insatiable, continual struggle towards nothing, stands death. Since Schopenhauer insisted that life is a constant state of struggle and suffering, he claimed that our lives are a continuous state of decaying and death will inevitably triumph. In contrast, his view of death contradicts itself as he also claims that birth and death are surreal to the phenomenal world as they are directly object the individual's will to live. His paradoxical insight into the structure of death and its relation to the will further qualifies Schopenhauer's unique post-Kantian idealist philosophy. While Schopenhauer's first two books discuss the power of the will, his later works, which mainly focus on ethics and aesthetics, aim to eclipse the influence of the will by affirming the repudiation of the will as a source of liberation from it. His later works side with a pessimistic view that values non-being over being. Schopenhauer pointed out that the arts could serve as a reprieve from the suffering induced by the will, providing a way of looking at things without the presence of the will. However, the arts only provide a momentary break in the service of the will. In order to attain a complete freedom from the will, a person must break through the changes of individuality formed by their ego. To do this, Schopenhauer stated that we must make a huge sacrifice by leading a life of asceticism, where we must imbue the themes of compassion, kindness, and selflessness, and empathy into our actions in order to liberate from the will. By being kind, compassionate, and empathetic, we recognize the suffering of the other person and are able to understand and observe knowledge that another person's suffering could be equal to our own. Schopenhauer states that this knowledge, accessed through experienced passion, can bring about a consistent unity. Schopenhauer bases the foundation of his ethics on compassion. He categorizes a just person from a good person not by the analysis of their actions, but from the respective levels of their compassion. 
Schopenhauer, a just person, only abstains from causing pain to another person by utilizing the basic precepts of individuation, while a good person seeks further by empathizing with the suffering of others and treating it like their own. In Schopenhauer's opinion, the most virtuous form of ethical conduct is someone who is able to discern the suffering of others so clearly that they are willing to sacrifice their own prosperity for the sake of the well-being of other beings. Since the will to live is a perpetual force that will never be satisfied, we have become victims to its process of continuation. We humans pursue idealistic goals, favorable circumstances, and ambitious results naively, believing that we will become satisfied or happy by obtaining it, only to find ourselves unsatisfied after each achievement and wanting to aim for more. Since life is a constant process, filled with pain and suffering, Schopenhauer suggested the best form of action is to focus on minimizing the pain of existence by lowering our expectations. To do so, we can engage with good art and philosophy to gather deep insight into reality with sharp clarity, or by understanding the universality of suffering and exhibiting kindness and empathy towards the hardships of others. Another option provided by Schopenhauer would be to understand yourself thoroughly and to carefully evaluate each of your strengths and weaknesses. Because pain is often caused by the misinterpretation of our abilities, he also stated that we should put more emphasis on fulfilling our basic needs and emotions such as health and joy rather than on concepts like wealth and status. By seeking out satisfaction from fulfilling tasks crucial to our existence like drinking and eating rather than accomplishments that are hard to obtain and impossible to satiate like wealth and status, the suffering of life will be much easier to bear no matter how harsh or cruel it is. This idea of limiting desires was also suggested by the Stoics centuries before Schopenhauer for different reasons. The less we want, the less we will suffer by not desiring it in the first place. Thank you so much for listening. To learn more about our show, please visit our website, intotheabstract.com. Also, if you would like to support our podcast, please consider giving us a review or supporting us on Patreon. You can find all of this information on our website. With all of that out the way, have a great rest of your day.